0: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales, Tales from Outer, from Outer Space. Space, taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one Terran for Terra. Deep inside a large asteroid, our hive is hibernating, slowly traveling through the vast expanse of the interstellar space directly at our target. It took time to accomplish such a hazardous endeavor, but we have evolved to do so. Over countless generations, our instincts are finely tuned to the point that mistakes were out of the equation. We were perfect, world-conquering organisms— our biologically tailored solar sails, encompassing our mother asteroid moved us forward. It often got damaged, but uh, we always regenerated. Our goal? To consume. To spread. To grow. To satisfy our hunger. Months after entering the system, we knew that this was a turning point for our hive. Our senses now fully set on the third planet from the star. We ourselves slowly waking from thousands upon thousands of years of slumber. Never before had we witnessed such a prize, littered with precious biomass. Enough to easily construct billions of hives and launch them across the galaxy. Gradually, our mother asteroid is redirected towards our target. The giant biological sheets were unfurled, reflecting the light of the sun and slowly aligning our trajectory with the planet. The closer we got, the stronger our hunger, most of the hive now fully awake. Instinctively, we are rushing for the most fertile part of the planet, an area obviously dense in plant life, usually easy to consume and digest with likely no significant opposition by the native apex predators, Amazon Rainforest. That was our hive's reasoning. Planets which offer an abundance of biomass were always, without exception, crawling with weak life forms, a natural byproduct of evolving on a garden world where evolution never pushed the life to an extreme, unlike the void of space where scarce resources were omnipresent reality. Our hunger, now reaching a climax as the violent and hellish atmosphere entry awakes something primal in our hyper tuned instincts. We are now plowing through the atmosphere, the ground, ever closer. Mother asteroid is falling apart, bit by bit, as it is supposed to be. Elaborate biological parachutes slow our descent. Thus, we will be able to spread the elements of our hive throughout a larger, fertile area, as to consume it faster. To swarm the area of its biomass, few parts of the mother asteroid did slam into the surface, unleashing minimal destruction. Nothing out of the ordinary. Our hive has landed. To consume is to survive. Instantly, we see ourselves surrounded by gigantic elements made of biomass like that which our hive has never recorded. But luckily, they are a completely unmovable form of life, relying on photosynthesis to survive extremely similar to many plants that we've seen. Yet, uh, we've never expected to find such large ones on the planet with this level of gravity. Their outer shells are no match for our sharp tentacles. They stand no chance as we start adapting and consuming them in all directions. We stay alert, sending scouts into the search for apex predators of this world, yet nothing we face seems to be our match few larger reptiles prove individually strong, but can't possibly oppose our hive intellect. Dissecting one sample after another and examining their molecular structure, we find no signs of extreme biological organs necessary for the development of any known form of hive mind, only some intricate carbon-based chemistry. Other biological threats in form of countless viruses and bacteria had found their way into our collective, contaminating individual drones— yet failing to overpower the adaptability of such incursions. Still, they indeed presented an extreme threat. Increasing amount of high minds intellect was derailed by combating microbiology of the spirit rich world. This in turn seriously slowed down the rate of consumption of the surrounding resources in the first few days. Surprisingly, it soon turned into an unexpected advantage, by observing and abundant examples of life around us, the hive discovered new ways to consume, new ways to construct the next subsequent generation of drones and warrior forms, the new applications of chemistry which were to optimize to our collective. After that, our growth seemed unstoppable. All unmovable life forms were at our mercy, while others which could fly, run, or swim tried to escape. We cared little for the order in which we consumed them. The rampaging through the area, nothing there opposed our hunger. The only thing left was to grow and consume. Due to such a docile environment, our hive slowed the production of the warrior forms, as there seems to be no need for them. Our regular drones being more than capable of taking anything they face. Yet, um, the situation soon switched on us. Therefore, scouts quickly discovered what could only be described as a product of intellect, obvious signs of architecture which seemed to be omnipresent in some areas, coupled with organized agricultural and domesticated animals, something we understood in theory but never really had a chance to conduct ourselves in the unforgiving emptiness of space. All that indicating only one possible solution, an intelligent species was inhabiting this planet. The sudden shock spread throughout the entire hive, even more so when we were concluded the species in question was more based on a function of a singular drone. Unlike the truly mentally connected collective, their architecture was awe-inspiring in a combination of tall structures and underground facilities all over the place. In truth, we ourselves were able to build higher and far more massive constructions, but only in the emptiness of space, where gravity wasn't a factor. Here on this planet, we could only just dig deep, very deep indeed. What little we found about them initially did indicate that they had a rigid hierarchy of some elements of hype mentality. To us, that explained most of their intelligence, but they were different. Unlike us, their minds were not connected. Instead, they used rather primitive methods of communication, and the worst thing was that they were everywhere around us. Vast areas of land were completely under their control. Some were sparsely populated, others littered with dense populations. To make it worse, many members of their species moved all around, and avoiding detection by them was no small task. Luckily, they seemed to be unaware and ignorant of our presence for the time being, what in turn gave us a crucial opportunity to be the first ones to strike carefully. We started building our numbers, organizing our deployment around the most heavily inhabited areas, and avoided any contact possible until the odds were in our favor. The seriousness of the situation was such that we felt reluctant to even try and capture a few of the drones. After all, if they had some form of communication by which they could broadcast the information far faster than their primitive biology indicated, we would face an organized attack." reason for such a caution was that the civilization we observed had complexity orders of magnitude above the one that we would expect out of their simple biology. The height of their buildings, the array of their tunnels, and the organized movement of their drones and resources was unprecedented. Numbers of individuals in more densely populated areas often reached millions, The logical conclusion was that this species rules the planet, and its total population easily numbers in the many billions, likely even far more, depending on conditions and the rest of the planet. Yet, they were not truly organized like us, not truly united. We even saw an individual of the same species fighting amongst themselves in the crudest of manners, an unexpected side effect of lack of a natural hive mind. The fact that that they were able to function at all was inexplicable. Nevertheless, there was no doubt about their intelligence, ability to bend the nature to their will, modifying their environment, constructing shelters and bridges, etc. However, this simple biology played a straight-up to our advantage. Their eyesight, senses of biological echolocation, and magnetic-based orientation were practically non-existent when compared to ours allowing our scouts to observe them with ease, extracting vast amounts of data in our position. Instead, of precise echobiological biological and electrical locators, they had evolved hearing organs which relied on vibrations or gases in the atmosphere to collect information of their surroundings, something space-based life like us truly did not require. The hearing was a waste of sensory organs in every sense, absolutely inferior." Our locators worked perfectly regardless of obstacle or medium by which information propagated, detecting minute electrical signals every life form emitted, while theirs was useless in water and ours had no such problem and offered us a significantly longer range. It was also extremely obvious our warrior forms were superior in every regard. Few times their body mass, dozens of razor-sharp tentacles, rapidly faster and much more agile, they absolutely incomparable in terms of fighting reflexes, reaction time, etc. The hive mind concluded most of the enemy drones could not stand a chance. Still, it did seem the enemy had a type of warrior caste of its own. Yet, biologically speaking, there was quite a little difference between the native warrior form and the regular drones. They were on average bigger and taller, but that was mostly it. What was somewhat unexpected yet was seen was a welcome news. Not prepared to risk our survival without a good of the understanding of the enemy as we could have, we delayed our attack as long as realistically possible. Fully aware that once we strike, the element of surprise would no longer be on our side, and the enemy, which possessed the obvious intellect, would practically instantly reorganize and strike back. At least, such was our experience when fighting other hives." By the time we felt confident to strike, our numbers had grown so much that it was becoming a problem to hide all our warrior forms. The biggest advantage is that they could effectively hibernate and wait in place without the need to bring them biomass, or consumption, or any other forms of supply. Hivemind reasoned that we would have a significant advantage while fighting in the area filled with dense plant-based life forms, or in areas where the soil could be easily dug through. However, once the fighting spills to the heavily populated areas, the sheer number of defensible choke points we could face was a false direct consequence of their native architecture would likely not bode well for us, as our larger warrior forms would likely find it hard to maneuver and swarm the opposition inside their architectural constructs. Considering we never fought an enemy like this before, also made us reconsider many aspects and strategies previously somewhat foreign to us. Not just muscle structures out of our warrior forms, or the strength to weight ratio of their exoskeleton, length of the tentacles, nor the biological weaponry they wouldn't be equipped with. The war on this scale required logistical preparation of the greatest scope, which was somewhat ironically quite simplified by the sheer amount of resources available to us. Thus, we decided it would be a fluid war of attrition. We would strike fast and decisively, cutting them off from the large sources of biomass that they obviously needed to survive. Destroying it or consuming it for ourselves. To siege their densely populated areas and dig in around it, forcing the natives to starve or launch what would be a suicidal attack against us. All while our numbers would grow exponentially, as we would no longer have to hide our presence meaning that relatively quickly we could deal with their fortifications by sheer weight of numbers. But we knew that was not enough. The significant flaw in our plan was that there were vast areas of the planet to which we currently had no real access to, meaning that every siege we engaged ourselves in had to be won rather quickly before an enemy reinforcement could arrive. We would have to advance without stopping. To stand a chance of achieving this meant we absolutely had to destroy most of the stockpiles of biomass which those densely populated areas had stored for future consumption. After all, any siege is pointless if the enemy has enough biomass to last them months. Simple solution to our hive mind came up with was to dig deep, deep enough to seriously compromise the foundation of the architectural marvels, to collapse them completely if possible designing specific worker drones for this task. That was when we believed that we were ready. Gradually, our hibernating warrior forms have woken from their short slumber, their hunger making them even more lethal. As a shadow of the night covered through our side of the planet's surface, we rushed forward, the perfection of our organization and sheer contrast to the chaos which befell the enemy. If even a single of our drones was killed or captured, our entire hive mind would instantly be alerted, even if not knowing exactly what happened. But it was not so with our enemy. Surprisingly, the first member of our species to come into tentacles was already lying dead when we found it, a single body surrounded by a colorful plant life. We dismembered it and studied it as fast as possible. Now it was all or nothing for us. The War of Extermination. It was only then that we found out for sure that their individual drones was not only inferior physically, but also mentally, the nervous system highly lacking in many senses, not to mention that the complete absence of anything resembling a neural cortex for advanced tactical reasoning. Admittedly, they had a well-developed muscle fibers and extremely exquisite sense of smell thoroughly connected in with their nervous system. Again, in space, a sense of smell is practically useless." Our bioelectrical locators were simply far more effective and information-dense. Their body was partially hard to cut through, but was extremely vulnerable around ligaments. Even more beneficial to us was the realization that their eyesight had been this small spectra of sensitivity, the one against which we could easily camouflage and be practically invisible to them. Robert, we now fully confirmed what we had already assumed. In one-on-one fight with natives stood no chance. Our warrior forms were bigger, stronger, vaster, and more highly intelligent. Our tentacles could rip apart their extremities with ease. The only technical way for the enemy could hurt us was with jaws, which, besides strong bite, were filled with extremely damaging acid. Yet, it seemed like a ridiculous notion that they would be able to do so far before ripping us apart. Encouraged by this new information, we plowed forward with effectiveness of natives have never seen before. Most of them, when areas of low population density were rolled over before they had even a t- chance to raise their alarms. Stealth was not something foreign to the hive mind, which fought others like itself the others, which were able to instantly alert every single drone if they figured out they were under attack. Our sudden, overwhelming success made us reckless, our superiority ignorant to what we were facing. When first our warrior form suddenly fell, their nervous systems completely unresponsive, the hive mind disregarded it as accidental." as coordinating such a large swarm simultaneously did pose a level of potently lethal neural stress that we did not experience previously. But more and more, our warrior forms were detecting unresponsive or severely damaged without being engaged in close combat. Something was happening, and we were failing to understand why. Still, we pushed on, our weight of numbers simply unstoppable. By the dawn, dozens upon dozens of millions of natives were either killed or consumed, the number only growing, the awe-inspiring pieces of architecture now collapsing as our drones compromised their foundations. The strength of our attack was such that their enemies still seemed unable to organize an effective defense. As the second night of the fighting fell upon us, we didn't slow down for a bit. Rather, we rushed in their only densely populated areas, which were now nothing more than a crumbling structures of once-functional architecture. There, we expected them to put up a grisly defense to try and hold on. It did not happen. By the next dawn, the entire front was silent. Their main hubs, for which we feared might withstand our push for weeks, had fell in less than two days. The largest of them all, the one close to the large bodies of water, the one which we saw as the main hubs of their civilization, were arguably the easiest to take. As our warrior forms could swim rather fast and with ease, yet something was off, way off as our hive mind felt it. The majority of losses we suffered during these first two days occurred under circumstances which made no sense. Time and time again, many of our perfectly functioning warrior forms would just collapse or sustain a severe damage without being in range of the enemy jaws or extremities. Indeed, only a dismally small amount of our drones were ever killed in close quarter combat, often only when attacking the areas where they held the youngest drones. For some reason, those areas were always the most protected. The enemy literally seemed willing to waste any amount of bodies to hold us off, even if it was just for a second. Probably because their young drones were the easiest to dismember and digest, what in turn would grow our number even higher. That was something that we could understand. Unfortunately, the intellect of our hive mind struggled to come with a solution as to why we were losing such a large number of warrior forms from seemingly nowhere. Luckily, those losses were still way below the replenishment levels. However it was a cause for alarm, as the only solution was that either we were getting infected by some unknown pathogen, which by chance preferred to strike at nerve centers, or the enemy drones possessed some form of biological weaponry which enabled them to retaliate with stealth the range way above our one of our extremities would suggest. We dissected countless enemy drones, observing their internal biology in even greater detail, thinking that we might be facing a specific type of warrior caste. Yet, we found no such biological mechanism, regardless of stunning diversity amongst their bodies gathered over a large area. Expectedly so. Then, after painstakingly examining every detail the corpse our foreign warrior forms, countless pieces of different shaped foreign bodies were found inside of them. The foreign bodies in question were of something strange, a biology completely unknown to us, something the hive had never faced before. We were stunned. Our internal biology was able to detect even the infection of a singular microbes, yet somehow failed to act against an even sense of the new threat. Unlike countless viruses and bacteria, this obviously highly infective life form functioned in ways unknown to us. The mechanism by which it was able to infect so many of our warrior forms, even less so. For the first time ever, our hive mind, which had an access to countless senses of billions upon billions of drones, was somehow both blind and deaf when facing this new danger. Yet, the final confusion was inescapable. The unknown pathogen was annihilating us by a rate innumerably higher than the dominant species of this planet. More detailed observations discovered the pathogen in question who often prefers to infect softer body parts like tentacles or inner organs where it causes more severe damage, but does far less so to the exoskeleton. We had to find a way to contain it before it fully spread, thus consuming our fallen and their biomass was no longer an option, something which we knew would temporarily devastate our growth numbers. Still, We had plenty of other sources to draw biomass from, and such drastic measures would only need to be implemented until we developed an immune system capable of dealing with it. For now, we were only able to urgently re-evolve our biology so that it was able to detect when a foreign body enters the organism of any warrior form, confident that the full working immune system would be developed in a matter of weeks at worst." Following days of intensity of our attacks rose significantly, tactically deciding to send any infected warrior forms to immediate suicide attacks as to more effectively contain the outbreak, even if the infection was only detected inside a single tentacle. Our highest preferred method is to force the drones to violently quickly remutate their body chemistry into a highly volatile substance which would then detonate the neural command. Somewhat problematically, a number of warrior forms would die before the infection could even be detected, while many others suffer significant neural damage more moments before noticing said pathogen. Yet, through experimentation, we were able to significantly delay the otherwise horrifying stunning progress of the disease in its individual drones by thickening the exoskeleton around the main nerve centers. By the end of week one, we held firm control over a vast expanse of fertile area, our numbers still slowly growing regardless of the most deadly pathogen our hive had ever witnessed. Worryingly, though, we were not a step closer to evolving an effective immune system. Nothing we tried worked, and the situation only grew worse. Then, due to our constant effort to understand the said pathogen, we were unexpectedly able to locate some of it in the outside body parts of our enemies. It was as if they were purposely carrying it, just so that they could infect us. Yet, it wasn't in deformed state as it would naturally be inside of our warrior caste. We found an enemy drone it was shaped differently, somehow symmetrically. We could not understand the biological composition yet. It was too alien. We should struggled as never before. Yet, all was not lost. We were still advancing on every front, swarming the enemy. Our warrior forms too superior, too stealthy to lose. Our position population was now fully overrun. Almost no survivors left. Until it happened. Until that happened. It was as if we were re entering the atmosphere, unprotected by thick layers of mother asteroid. The heat from above consumed us as millions every second. Horror unseen, unwitnessed in our hymns' history. It was as if the swarm of asteroids had crashed upon us. Simultaneously, countless drones and warrior forms were burnt to ashes. Rich and large areas of biomass under our control suddenly turned non-existent. Many tried to escape the heat, to survive it, yet it was nigh impossible. It was us surrounded, no time to react, not a single drone could adapt rapidly. The chaos of the horror spread and a great heat consumed the one nest after another. A small percentage of us survived, buried deep beneath the ground. In less than a day, our numbers were depleted, survivors and the biomass too sparse to reliably recover in any meaningful time, utterly crushed by the force unlike any that we understood. The only course of action left was to hide, to avoid detection as much as possible. We knew not how the enemy bested us, but the heat event was too sudden, too destructive to be a coincidence. They had retaliated fully. We had underestimated their individual intelligence. That was for sure. We had to hide. We had to try something. But it was too late. Another heat could consume us at every moment. We had to evacuate. We had to run away from the hellscape. But how? Preparing the volcanic eruption which could launch Carved Mother to the asteroid into orbit without frying us usually took thousands of years. We were trapped. The human side of the story Sir, you are one of the leading biologists in your field, the young female reporter spoke in truly respectful tone to the man in front of her. And you've seen the first to classify this truly alien life-form. The public is speechless. Everyone has been shocked by the events of the last few days. Indeed, so was I, the man spoke with a surprisingly calm voice. It all happened so fast, there was too little time to reflect actively. How did you even find yourself there, in the middle of that? the curiosity fully emanating from her voice. Well, the man said, I was on a scientific expedition to the rainforest of Brazil, myself being an expert in myromecology, a branch of entomology focusing on the study of ants. That is why it was there when the first place. You would hardly find a greater array of such insects anywhere else. The young reporter simply nodded, urging the scientist to continue. So there I was, minding my own project, observing one amazing ant colony when I saw a comet fly over the horizon. I had no idea how close it actually struck, nor was I aware of what I'd witnessed. Of course, the reporter spoke in a rather friendly tone. I bet nobody could have guessed that there were alien lifeforms present there. I thought exactly, I answered the scientist, Thus, I stayed where I was studying the Amazon Ant Colony. I am not an astrophysicist or a geologist, after all. Next few days were calm and peaceful most of the time. I was scorching hot, true, but there was no rainfall for the last two weeks. What is unusual for the rainforest, mind you, yet nothing else was out of the ordinary. Yet, what happened next? How did you witness what was now literally called the first contact? The reporter was becoming a little impatient to hear a direct, more personal answer. "'Well, it just happened. I was observing that ant colony taking a video footage as I was recording their behavior when literally, out of nowhere, a swarm of small tentacle little bugs rushed all over the ant colony. I was stunned. The entire structure of the colony collapsed. It was a slaughter, basically. They invaded them without mercy.' The scientist went on gesturing and describing how shocking all of it was, while the picture of the alien bug was on the screen for all the viewers to see. Compared to the ants, it was somewhat larger, as the body consisting of dozens or so tentacles and central structures protected its exoskeleton. The scientist continued, At first I'd naturally thought there was some sort of undiscovered insect life-form. I was only minutes later, after I sampled their DNA as I had a state-of-the-art equipment with me, that I found that the results did not make any sense. That it was alien in origin. I immediately notified my colleagues and the rest is history. You say they have attacked the Yang colony, even collapsed it. You make it sound like some sort of warfare. The scientist nodded, Indeed, the primitive war was raging all over the rainforest, Many ant colonies which were remotely observed by stationary cameras were confirmed to have been attacked simultaneously. It was a well-coordinated attack, I tell you. These alien lifeforms were vicious, consuming almost anything in their way. Deeper in the forest, they were even consuming entire trees and stretches of jungle, spreading rapidly. Of course, we've seen many footages of such event, but could you clarify as to why did they attack the ants specifically? It was as if they were focused solely on them. Um, the scientist was slow to answer that. I do not yet have a significant evidence, but I assume they saw them as a threat. This new tentacle bugs, as the population has named them, seem to exhibit an extraordinary level of intelligence. Expectedly, they have seen the ants as opposition. After all, the ants themselves exhibit many aspects of intelligence, like agriculture, domestication of animals, resource management, and even civil construction. Many people are not aware of that. They see ants as little more than stupid bugs. I would advise them to Google it more. However, this tentacle bug did not underestimate them. You claim that they are intelligent alien life form. Well, to some degree, surely. I mean, just look at the tentacle brilliance. The level of coordination attacking an ant colonies all over the rainforest was stunning. Plus, they quickly stopped consuming the bodies of their fallen once the fungal epidemic swept over their population fungal epidemic. Indeed, answered the scientist. You see, the life forms like fungus are unlike viruses or bacteria. The fungi, like biology, is truly unlikely, dare I say, unable to evolve or survive in the void of space. Thus, Tentacle Bug's immune system was not able to cope with it. It never faced anything similar, and let me tell you, they have the most astonishing immune system I've ever seen. We will have to do a lot of research on it." but how did they get infected? The type of fungi in question is easy to find in the exoskeleton of ants, but it is mostly harmless to them. Yet, the soft tissue parts of the tentacle bugs are like a feast for it. It was unbelievable how fast it spread over to their bodies. The field of epidemiology will have a lot to observe here. Also, evolutionary biologists will find a treasure trove of research in observing how the tentacle bugs evolved up their exoskeleton to protect themselves as the fungi was unable to consume their exoskeleton as easily. It's quite amazing that you were able to observe it all. Truth be told, it was not alone. Many biology experts in my expedition combined with state-of-the-art research equipment were crucial in this. So, will this horrific forest fire hamper your research efforts? "'Sadly so,' answered the scientist. "'This unprecedented level and size of the recent fire in this large part "'due to the high flammability waste products produced by the tentacle bugs. "'They had littered the floor of the forest with it. "'However, in our oxygen-rich atmosphere, this is highly dangerous. "'I am not sure if the population will recover, "'but we will continue to study them as much as possible.' "'So, um, the, 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 the excrement is highly combustible?' The younger reporter seemed rather surprised by the uncomfortable talk about it. Absolutely! It is basically refined magnesium mixed with a sulfur and traces of a dozen elements. Horrific stuff! Though you might get more details from some of my colleagues who actually are chemists, and even they were surprised. Understandably, the reporter repeated. I'm glad you found some time for this interview. Me too, replied the scientist. End of chapter And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.